Hi everyone, welcome to another Player Development Project Monthly Wrap. We've designed this feature to summarize some of the content that we've published from the past month and to give you a sneak peek into some of the clips and sound bites from our contributors as well as a review of written content on the site. As usual, I'm joined by PDP Technical Advisor Dan Wright uh, for the second installment of the PDP Wrap. Dan, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, mate. How are you going? I'm good, I'm good. Looking forward to this. We've had some great content come out in February and uh, we've got some really nice little clips here to share uh, with the viewers. So essentially last month we've published two masterclass discussions, we've published a members webinar and a number of other pieces of written content. So we'll cover off some of the video content first. So do you want to lead off with that? Sure, okay. Yeah, so our first conversation uh, was between lead researcher Jimmy Vaughan and Professor Stephen Rolnick. Uh, Stephen Ronick is uh, a clinical psychologist and a pioneer in motivational interviewing, and he's just starting to work into sport. So this was a really interesting conversation. I quite enjoyed this one. It comes from schools, uh, and it comes also from the military, and it comes from this idea that I'm the expert and um, I'm wearing these goggles, which are like deficit detective goggles, right? So my job's to like check out where things are going wrong. So I see a coach and I think it would have helped him to have strength goggles on on top of the deficit ones. I don't mean not look for problems, but work with people's strengths and flip strengths goggles over on top and he's got a more balanced view. But And I don't mean to be unkind about him, but what he saw was a guy in kind of midfield in an attacking position. I don't know the football stuff, but you'll know what this is about. So the guy on the wing passes the ball to him and he wants to tell that fella to run outside of him onto the wing himself. Once he's received the ball and he's released it, go back outside. So he noticed a problem and he kept shouting at this player in practice, right? And four or five occasions he was yelling at this player, right? And now he turns around to me and says, the bloody fool doesn't listen to me. Right now, um, that seems very common giving people feedback that you're hoping will improve their performance. And I saw it in the New York Giants, right? I saw these coaches in the middle of a game, like briefing the defense team or the attacking team, where the assumption is that there's a problem, so you've got to lift the lid on the person's head, stuff this good sense into it, put the lid back on, right, and then shake them and say, Have you got it? Right? Um, and that's, uh, I can see ways of improving that. And I didn't say anything to this coach, but really, if he'd waited for a break, there is a, a very simple way of giving feedback to people that has them taking ownership, which is to ask some very simple questions like, when you receive a ball from the wing, I wonder what you, what you think about the possibility of swinging outside. Have you thought about that? Or I wonder how that would be for you. Right. Then giving the information and then, afterwards saying how did that feel for you how does it, how do you think that might be next time now i would have thought that a conversation like that a quiet one yeah. just in a space in a practice game yeah. um, will have a greater impact on his creativity and on his behavior because he'll he'll take ownership of something that he wants rather than be a passive recipient of the wisdom of a coach so Dan, a really interesting clip there from uh, Professor Rolnick. Uh, I guess, what are your first thoughts around that? I guess from the overall discussion, but also from the clip that we saw. 
Yeah, I think this is somebody that's talking about learning, isn't he? Learning rather than telling and, and, and that idea of, you know, opening someone's head and chucking in all the information, I suppose, is the difference between sort of transformational coaching and transactional coaching. Mm. Um, and, it, and it's just sort of coming from that positive psychology, isn't it? So focusing on what the kids can do and, and, and try and lead them in that direction. What were the takeaways for you, mate? Yeah, look, I think the, the idea around coach communication and that... Um that sort of implicit or explicit instruction that can often be defined as command style coaching. And I think you and I have had this discussion on Q and A's before where, where does command fit in on the spectrum? It may fit in around an idea like set piece where you go out with a certain plan and you're saying, I need you to be here at this moment. Um, but when it comes to a player trying and failing or going through that kind of experimentation, it's important that we give them a chance to fail and reflect. So really good insight, I think, into how we can communicate effectively with players to make sure that they're taking, taking ownership of that learning. Um, so that was, that was for me pretty important and, and do highly recommend um, both of the masterclass discussions that Stephen's done with us as well as his blog which is called Praise Versus Affirmation so that can be searched on the site. Uh, so we'll head towards our next clip and uh, we're going to be joined by Rob Sherman and, and like Stephen, Rob's done a couple of masterclass discussions with us, um, also recently wrote an article for PDP magazine. Rob's got a wealth of experience in coach education, delivering courses around the world, um, right up to UEFA Pro license level. He was formerly technical director at both uh, NZF over in New Zealand and the Welsh FA, and he was also working at Football Australia as the national coach education manager. So really, really experienced guy, somebody I've got a lot of time for. Uh, and in this clip, Rob's going to share some ideas around the fundamentals that coaches can apply in their environments based on his experience from performance environments, particularly in international football. You referred earlier, I guess, at the start of the conversation around your experience coaching uh, on the grass as opposed to coaching coaches uh, in various performance environments. I know, for instance, you were working with the New Zealand women's team uh, alongside Tony Reddings before he recently stepped down. I know you've worked alongside John Herdman at the Olympics. You've had some fantastic experiences. What are some of the key learnings from your perspective as a coach from high performance environments that you could perhaps... Um, share and, and pass down to coaches who are working in club land at grassroots level, but could apply within a development environment? Well, I think uh, for me, the fundamental first one is why you're there. And I mean, why what the you is in everyone who's stepping onto that grass. There has to be a common purpose. Um, and, and obviously that might be just, you know, self-development de or it might be performance. I mean, there's a whole spectrum in there, but why are you there? And the, uh, the coach needs to understand why the, the player's there and match their style and, and delivery accordingly. Um, you know, fun is a fundamental element in uh, young athletes, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that later. But, you know, if you then don't provide that environment, then you switch people off. So in the so fundamental is the purpose. So, you know, and if it's just winning Olympic gold, I think it generally has to be a little bit more um, deeper than that you know about about something that galvanizes that would galvanize everyone but something that resonates for someone on a, a real personal level in terms of continued growth then the culture is is a is a fundamental you have to establish the culture and when i say you again that's the group i think there's a danger that if it's uh, leadership driven or management driven if you like then you're imposing a culture what you want to do is engage people into establishing their own culture that will make them much more um, engaged in living that culture and then uh, you know from the coaching perspective you, you have to have a philosophy you have to know what it is you're trying to bring to life what you're trying to uh, build if you like and how that looks um, in its uh, 
so it's a skeletal form on the pitch because it will evolve as the players become more adept at it. They'll, um, you know, bring elements to life perhaps that are beyond what you envisaged, and they should be allowed to do that. So those would be the three things I would say: is a clear purpose, establish a culture, and you know, be clear on what your vision in terms of your your playing model is. So uh, really, a really good conversation that one with Rob. Um, for me, you know, somebody that's that's been there and done it. You know, he's worked at a really high level for a, a really long time, and so there was so many takeaways. Mm. Uh, Dave, what was your main sort of focus on this one? Yeah, look, I think as I said earlier, you know, Rob, somebody as you're alluding to, has been there and done it. He's somebody I've got a lot of time for, and I think the key point for me was around purpose. Um, and I've been recently reading a book called The One Thing, which is about you know prioritizing, and I guess productivity and how you can be most effective in whatever you do. And it's a really interesting read because it talks about the original meaning of priority and the fact that it is a singular word, but through the modern age, it's kind of been changed to prioritize and priorities. And so I think that idea of having a single purpose within your environment and, and understanding why you're there, which Rob alluded to in the clip, is really key in, in terms of understanding why we coach. And for me, it's about you know helping players maximize their potential, helping people have a positive sporting experience. So whether it's at the highest level, players still want to have fun, which he touched on. Um, but that purpose was the real standout for me. And again, I'd recommend the content that Rob's put together with us previously around maximizing player potential. And of course, this one, which was around the player-centered approach. So it was a really good, uh, really good listen. Hopefully some of the viewers get over to that one. Yeah, excellent stuff. Okay, so moving on to clip three. Uh, clip three is about our members webinar. Um, so in this one, we're, we're, we're looking at loads of different things that Jimmy, our lead researcher, pulled together. But it was around coaching methodology and football philosophy. Um, really challenging one, this one. So Jimmy was breaking down some of the research and what are those words that we use every day? What do they mean? And what is the difference between methodology and meta theory? But I want to shoot to uh, and uh, well, this model first and then an example. So when I was doing the reading around coaching methodology and around um, how these ideas all fit together, um, what it occurred to me from my point of view is when we look at clubs or we look at um, uh, organizations that have a coaching methodology, um, what it seems to be in actuality is more of a, a meta theory uh, because it's often different theories about football um, that are kind of put together um, to then create different methodologies uh, and different methods of coaching. Because I think we are all using different um, methods on a regular basis, whether it's constraints led or guided discovery. People still um, talk about kind of chaining the session together. Um, there are people still using isolated practice. There's all sorts. And then within different coaching contexts and different clubs, they might be weighted down towards one side or the other side. They might do the whole spectrum, if you like, or they might do, they might just say, no, we're just going to end up in one end. Um, but I mean, what are your, what are your experiences with that guys? I know you've talked about, um, is it the very, the, the practice variability spectrum and things like that? That would be probably an example of, of different, like a whole range of different methods. And then it's really interesting to reflect on what methodology that might fit under and, and how that links to a philosophy as well. Yeah, I, I think this diagram ties in really well with the, the first diagram you showed, the circle, the, the PDP diagram, because the skill of the coach is using, and I might not use the correct language here, is using the right methodology at the right time. 
Um, so, you know, we, we've talked before about isolated practices. We've talked about small sided games and, and the spectrum, you know, in between. But at times, you know, an isolated practice might be the right thing for the right player in that moment. I think anybody who promotes just one way of doing things all the time, it, it's probably got something to sell because the, the answer is that all of those things are useful and that, and that players need different things at different times in their journey. And I look at it like a diet, you know, you can't just have one thing over and over. Um, so I like this idea that, you know, that you can pick and choose the bits that you think work or pick and choose what you think the players need. Um, that, that kind of makes sense to me. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, couldn't agree more. I, I think the spectrum is key in understanding individual needs. Uh, again, a practical example, I had a young player I was working with last year who was an unbelievable striker of the ball and we worked on the premise of strength training. Um, the club's philosophy was was heavily game-based, if you like, whatever that means, but it generally meant let's put on opposed realistic sessions um, and make sure that the kids are getting plenty of repetition within that. Um, so we had to clever in our session design, but the young player who needs to work on shooting well, me going away and working for 45 minutes with that individual while my colleague then takes the group, helps that player at the time work on something that he's good at. Um, so there's no, there's no harm in that. But again, it's about understanding that individual, manipulating the spectrum as best you can for the needs of every individual. So yeah, I think, as you say, the idea that if you're just promoting one way, I think that is flawed. I think you've got to keep exploring. And on my own coaching journey so far, I know I've changed a lot. There's things I did when I started coaching at 18, 19 that I certainly would not do now. Um, and I'm sure there'll be things I'll look back on in a few years and go, what was I thinking? You know, we're all learning all the time. And I think that's the main approach for me. So Dan, a pretty interesting clip there, I guess, and a topic that was challenging for everyone in the room, including us. And we all sort of put, our, put ourselves outside of the comfort zone a bit. What were the key takeaways from the clip for you? Yeah, I think what I took away was that these are words that as coaches we use every day, you know, that they're in our handbooks, they're in our curriculums, we're, we're talking about them with, with parents, with other coaches, with, with players, and do we really know what they mean? And if we don't know what they mean, should we be using them? Um, that, that, that was my main, my main takeaway. How about you? Yeah, look, I think it was just sort of citing, we're trying to tie the idea of um, meta theory and, and philosophy back to practical experience. And for me, that was about how we evolve as coaches, how we change, being open to that. And I think being open is a key attribute in coaching that the best coaches do have, but also understanding that practice spectrum. And I guess this is an idea that you and I have talked to, talked about a lot in previous Q&As and different webinars we've done about that spectrum. And just using whatever tools you have at your disposal, whether that's, you know, physical environment or whether that's an assistant coach or whatever you've got making sure that you are in tune with that so that individuals get what they need yeah i mean we discussed it in the in the webinar but i, I like to think of it of, of a, a player's diet you know you couldn't eat the same thing every single day and you need that that variety and we, we tied it back to individual needs as well didn't we so what did the, what does the player need in that moment in that context and so um, it's not about one session or one coaching approach is better than the other it's about you know finding the right solution at the right time i think for sure, for sure. So that's going to take us over to some of the written content, I guess. That summarizes the video stuff. Um, where are we headed next? So the, the next place is, is to the session plan and the research reviews. Okay. So the session plan for February was uh, essentially around creating and finishing. 
Um, so I guess the main topic here was looking at designing a practice, which was a small-sided game, directional, and encouraging players to attack 1v1 through the use of constraints. The key constraint was for the front players um, not being able to recover at a certain point, therefore creating attacking overloads, and then unlocking those areas to the point of free play, where players get the chance to choose to dribble and drive or choose to pass and looking at quick attack uh, and quick transition. So really nice session. I uh, really think this is for players of all ages, but would probably say 12 and up and really in that youth development phase um, and, and a nice one to use uh, for a number of different topics. Uh, we also, as you know, had the research review come out, uh, which Professor William Harper uh, produces for us over there in the States, a really nice breakdown of complexity theory uh, in sports. So Dan, what were your sort of takeaways around the review? Yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoy reading these reviews because sometimes the research papers are, are very long and very wordy. And I think um, Professor Will Harper's got a really good uh, skill, I suppose, of breaking these down and, and making them kind of into to coach talk a, a lot mm. of the time. Um, so for me, he was breaking down the, the complex systems, the chaos theory, reductionist argument, and, and sort of putting that all together and embrace, embracing complexity. Mm. Um, what did you take away from this one? Yeah, look, I think the reductionist stuff's really interesting. We've obviously spoken previously with Ben Bartlett a lot on that, and, and in terms of nonlinear pedagogy, it ties in the idea of coaches having to reduce sport into parts as opposed to embracing the complexity and chaos. So a really nice read uh, and one I'd definitely recommend. It's also great to have Bill back on board. He was unwell for a while there. And uh, he's back on board with the PDP team producing those reviews every month. So really nice to have him back. And so finally, that takes us over to some of the blog content that came out uh, in February. And first of all, we had a blog from Sporticus, who is a PE teacher, blogger and researcher who produces some outstanding content. Uh, his website, drowninginthesshallow.wordpress.com, would highly recommend that for coaches. And there's plenty of his content on the PDP site if you search it. So this article was around an event which uh, he attended uh, last year. And, and uh, Jimmy Vaughan, our lead researcher, Marco Sullivan, PDP contributors were there, as well as Danny Newcomb, who I know you've spent uh, or sort of spoken to and, and really respect his work, Dan. And, and this blog is really just about a constraints-led approach and his sort of reflections and review after being in an event with so many interesting people. People there so worth a read um, and then the second one was the, was uh, around 10 books for coaches yeah so this is um, leading on from our, our podcast and our video of 20 must read books uh, for coaches which caused quite a lot of debate and I think we probably we've probably missed some big books off there so we might have to do a catch up but this was your top 10 and uh, uh, your blog, wasn't it, Dave? It was. It was just a way, really, of, of putting that list down on paper and sort of giving a really brief uh, review of each book. Uh, and again, following on from that uh, from that previous Q&A discussion. And there's some really nice books in there. And obviously, it's a personal preference. It's very uh, subjective. But yeah, definitely recommend that coaches have a look at those. Um, so any final thoughts for you on the, the wrap this month, Dan? Yeah, if I was going to push you, which one book would you recommend? If... Uh... Out of, your, out of your 10, I know you won't want to do this, but out of your 10, a, a coach that perhaps doesn't do a lot of reading and has just, you know, got a, an Amazon gift card, which one book would you say this is the one you need to go and get? Look, very hard to decide. I know you're trying to get me to say Legacy, um, but I also think anything by uh, Dr. Stephen Covey in the form of uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People and The Eighth Habit, I'd say those two would probably be a pretty close tie. The Eighth Habit from a leadership perspective, I think really translates in coaching. Um, talking about how you can help people find their voice uh, and uh, and obviously find your own along the way. So it's a really interesting insight into psychology and, and leadership. So that would probably just tip 
tip the uh, the number one ranking. But very hard to decide, mate. I'm very surprised you didn't go for Legacy. We we we, uh, we struggle to do any content without you <laughs> mentioning Legacy. I'm trying to avoid the All Blacks, but uh, of course, looking forward to another big year for those boys. And uh, on that note, Dan, I want to thank you for your time. No worries, mate. Really enjoyable conversation. Hopefully, all of our viewers and listeners have enjoyed it. Don't forget, head over to playerdevelopmentproject.com, head to the sign-up page, join our community, and you will get access to all of the content that we're referring to. We will look forward to another PDP monthly wrap very soon. Thanks for joining us on the Player Development Project podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PlayerDP or find us on Facebook. Don't forget to head over to playerdevelopmentproject.com where you can sign up to our progressive coaching community and gain access to our wide variety of resources to help you in your coaching.